for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a pre-Friday celebration, greatest day of the entire week. We are just carpe diems all over the place. So wonderful to have you with us here and so much to talk about. I tell you, there's nothing to talk about in the news at all today or the last few days, is there? Yeah. Welcome into it. We got a lot to get to today. Scott McKay, he is the author of the book, uh, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. We'll chat with him about the behind-the-scenes control that the Obama family, the Obama administration, still has. Will that bleed into the election of 2024? What does that mean for Joe Biden? What does that mean for Michelle Obama? And what does that mean for legislation working through Congress right now? So we have all that to get to. We have some election stuff a little bit. Won't focus a whole lot on that today as well. But we do have plenty of other issues. You know, Congress is actually in action right now congress is actually working on stuff and we'll try and cover some of that throughout the program today as well welcome into it you can find me all over the social media at who's your reason h-o-o-s-e-r reason and the website who's your reason.com find us on there subscribe to the newsletter which will be out here in just a few weeks as we always do that the first monday of the new the week become the latest who's your holic broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in our Wichita KQAM flagship radio station on multiple different radio stations all over the place. Uh, Your millennial general reporting for duty. So wonderful to have you with us. Crank up that radio dial a little bit. I know it's maybe hard of hearing and especially I do talk fast at times. So I sorry, not sorry. That's just the way I operate. My brain functions at a high capacity and I have to try and keep up with my mouth working as quickly as my brain keeps up. So if I get a little ahead of myself, I apologize, but crank up that dial just a little bit. Did you know there was a new study from Newsmax, according to uh, the study from Newsmax and the Lancet Regional Health Americas Journal that said that rural communities and men predominantly have a hard time or have more likely chance of losing their hearing. So crank up that dial just a little bit more and have it blare, have the bass echo throughout your vehicle as you're driving home or driving to wherever you may be going. As they say, the individuals in the rural communities, because of driving on ATVs, working with tractors, working out in the community, or doing woodworking, whatever they do, that they have more of a hearing loss than people within the cities. At the same time, that men are more likely, which makes sense, because when we're listening to awesome metal music, then that's probably why we come out of it with uh, with the hearing loss. Kazoo type. So <laughs> if you listen to that, then that probably explains why you have a lot of hearing loss. I have to admit, I go to my metal concerts and I do not put in hearing or uh, put in any type of blocks or protection on my hearing. So I know that I will probably be deafer than a doornail. By the time I get older. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy life as much as I possibly can. All right. We have a lot to talk about today. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? (laughs) I know I just scared everybody with that sound effect. Terribly sorry. I repeal that. Terribly sorry. Yeah. For those that don't know, that's what I go to concerts to listen to. And when you come out with a crack drip and a black eye from the mosh pit, then you feel oh so good at the end of the day. Get your exercise in. You know, got to swing around, be a little bit masculine. I know masculinity is not a good thing in today's society, apparently, but by golly, we're going to hold on to it as much as we possibly can. Looking at Washington, D.C., have you ever noticed that we love on both sides of the aisle, we love to do a fast and furious mentality? You ever had that, the now or never, maybe you see this in your job as well, the now or never, got to be done, got to be done right now, right now, got to be done right now. And we had the Fast and Furious in D.C. Barack Obama was the one that did this wonderfully when he was in office. He would wait to the last moment 
And then we would say, we have to do something. Remember, a crisis right now. Got to be right now. Got to be right now. Got to solve it. Have to do it right now. And if you don't, then the American people will die in the streets. So therefore, it's the Fast and Furious. Don't worry about the details of the bill. Don't worry about relaying it to the public so the public can see the actual bill or piece of legislation. Don't worry about any of that. Pass it so that way we can start acting on solving the crisis of whatever that crisis may be. We've done it for a while. It's obviously kind of a norm in Washington, D.C., more so under the Barack Obama administration. And that kind of became the new norm in Washington, D.C., where Nancy Pelosi literally told us we have to pass things to see what's in it. Because we don't know what's in it. We just have to get it done right now. Got to be right now. Right now. Got to really fast right now. The drastic and that, that's led to the drastic bills of the emergency that we're in. On many cases right now, we obviously have a budget that's about ready to go overboard. Again, we're not looking over the cliff. We've already fallen down the cliff. We're halfway down, and we're going to be in financial ruins unless we address something, again, right now. I don't want to address it that drastically, but it's going to shock the system when we do. But we have to do it because if we don't, then we're going to continue to go down the same road of disaster that we've been on for a while. The same thing with immigration. We've let it get out of hand for so long that now we almost have to do a drastic bill that's going to shock the system, which is where we're starting to butt heads between Republicans and Democrats on the immigration policy right now. There are most Republicans, especially under those that are maybe predominantly Donald Trump supporters or Republican supporters, that want to seal off the border. Let's figure this out. Let's start deporting people that came here illegally that have a terrible criminal record. Let's start cleaning up the streets. Let's start making sure that we don't have New York and Chicago the way that they say that they are right now with all the homelessness and all the crime and all the all the craziness that's going on, booting people out of their homes, booting people out of apartments, booting people out of hotels, booting people uh, closing down schools and making these individuals live in schools because we have nowhere else to put them. We have a serious pandemic in this nation, and we've allowed it to get to that point. So now drastic situations cause for drastic measures to be to resolve them. And it's unfortunate because I'm tired of the fast and furious. I'm tired of the drastic bills. I'm tired of the things that shock the system and send shockwaves through the entire economy or through the entire nation, depending on what flavor or what issue that you're talking about of the day. This new Senate bill, however, is not that. And I have to admit that it it seems like a ridiculous bill at first when you hear some of the details. We don't know a lot of details about this bill that's been written by U.S. Senator James Lankford from the state of Oklahoma, a Republican, a semi-decent conservative, and Chuck Schumer on the Democrat side in the Senate. And conservatives are losing their minds over this bill. Why are we losing our minds over this bill? Probably because of the fact that just in 2023 alone, we saw two and a half million illegal immigrants come across the border with us running into them. That's just what we know actually came across the border, roughly two and a half million. Since Joe Biden took office back in 2020, overall, we've had over 10 million illegal crossings across this nation under the Biden administration alone in the last three and a half years. That's a major situation. And when you see 10 million people come into the country, then you should be waving the red flag saying, wait a second, we have to do something drastic right now to the point where people want to say we're done. Let's close this off. Let's get rid of the bad apples in in here. Let's figure this out. Then we could start figuring out our policy moving forward. Democrats, on the other hand, They're so loosey-goosey about this. They want the open border policy, and they want to continue with this open border policy as much as they possibly can because some bleeding hearts truly feel like they're taking care of humanity. They're helping individuals come across the border. Everybody's all just wonderful. They're just victims of the world and victims of capitalism, and we just got to bring them in and take care of them as much as we possibly can. 
There are some that truly believe that. Others understand that this is going to change the dynamic of the electoral process. Others just think that we're going to come in and just override the evil white people. Whatever the special fill-in-your-blank agenda is for the progressives for an open border policy, we're starting to catch on to it. And this bill from James Lankford, Chuck Schumer, which, by the way, James Lankford says this bill is the most conservative immigration policy that we've seen in, in at least four decades. And if that's the case, that's awesome. But the little bit of detail that we know about this bill knows that that's probably not going to be the case, at least to the point of accept, being accepted by most of the Republican Party. In fact, during subcommittee hearings earlier today, according to Newsmax, we had Mitch McConnell that said that while this may be a great bill, it's not going to be well received by many members of the Republican Party and especially Donald Trump, who very well potentially could be the president of the United States by this same time next year. If he gets elected in November and if he gets elected, then this would be a bill that Donald Trump would not support because it is not harsh enough on immigration policy. Therefore, it's not going to be accepted by a wide range of Republican voters and therefore not going to be accepted by a wide range of Republican elected officials who are trying to pander to the Republican voters, majoritively are Donald Trump supporters in an election coming up in just a few months, if that all makes sense. So while this may be a slightly right leaning bill overall. And I say that in general forms because we don't have any actual details of what the bill is as they're still trying to fine tune some of the phrasings and the wording and some of the major obstacles that Republicans and Democrats have on this bill. While we're trying to detail those out, it's probably not going to be up to the level or standards of what many conservatives want. Why? Because we're past the point of frustration. We're past the point of anger. We're past the point of dealing with this garbage that we don't care anymore. We're almost to the extreme point when you have that irrational response of just shut down the entire border and don't let a single person come through any longer, which is pretty irrational, especially when you have trade that goes across the border pretty consistently each and every day. I've been to the border. I've seen it. And it's a lot more complicated than that. But some people get to that point where you just get so angry and so emotional that you have that emotional reaction. So therefore, probably not going to be responded well from the Republican Party. This bill honestly would have done well if it was back during the, I don't know, George W. Bush administration, where immigration was starting to become kind of an issue. It was starting to become a main focal point in national politics, but not really. And this bill would have done well at that point. And I'm not saying the party has changed, but I'm saying the party, the voters emotional state has changed and the situation itself has changed. When you allow 10 million people into the country illegally, not including the legal citizen, the legal people that come in for work visas and student visas and everything else, when you allow 10 million illegal immigrants to come in in a three-year period, that is a lot. That changes the dynamic of society as a whole, and that drastic situation causes a drastic measure to be made in Washington, D.C., and that's what the bill has to reflect in order for Republicans to get on board with it. And you know why the Democrats are finally starting to come on board, because they're obviously desperate to get funding over to the Ukraine. But the ongoing issue with Russia, where they where Republicans rightfully so, has said, if we're going to continue to fight for their border, why aren't we fighting for our own border at the same time? So this bill needs to reflect that. And James Lankford says that that's starting to come a reality. Mitch McConnell starting to admit the fact that right now we're not having a bill that's good enough for the Republican Party. And that's at a time, mind you, when the RNC, the National Republican Committee, has openly admitted and they've now proposed a resolution to accept Donald Trump as the default nominee for the Republican presidential candidacy of 2024. Now, imagine that we're only two primaries in. 
And Nikki Haley says that she has no intention of dropping out of the race whatsoever. And the RNC is already drafting a resolution to accept Donald Trump as the nominee, which is great news because that way we can start focusing on the general election, start focusing on the Democrats and focusing on how we're going to do our messaging that way, which I think is an extremely important issue. And Republicans struggle sometimes with a messaging problem across the nation to win over new voters. So it's good that we're focusing on it so early. That doesn't mean that Nikki Haley needs to drop out. And like I said yesterday, in fact, I like her staying in the race more for the mental social experiment on figuring out how to win over moderates and independents and unaffiliated voters across the nation that are on the fence and that could be potentially swayed to vote for Donald Trump if he had the proper vice presidential candidate along with him in that ticket to, quote unquote, rein him in or keep him in line or to balance him out or however they want to view the issue. But. Immigration has become one of the most important issues as the Republican platform. And if Republicans are going to work on a bill, especially a bill going into an election season when when elected officials, especially senators, where that's such a tight race, are going to put their name on it and support it, it better be one that's going to be worth the time of Republicans to look at. And James Lankford says that they are tweaking some things, but says it's going to be the most conservative piece of legislation on immigration that we've seen in the last four decades. Is that true? I guess time will tell. But we need to make sure it happens. And the Donald Trump Republicans, whether some like it or not, are dominating the Republican Party. So this immigration policy needs to reflect that as well with some of our elected officials. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Yes, Hoosier. indeed it is. 24 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. So wonderful to have you along for the ride with us today. So we have the bill going on in Washington, D.C. right now, the most conservative immigration policy that's been drafted in the last four decades. If that is the case, that's awesome. At the same time, we just need, if we pass it, what's the point if we're not even going to enforce it? We have immigration laws on the books right now. We have the ability for states to do what they need to do to protect themselves from illegal crossings, which the government now says that they're not apparently allowed to do or something, which is very strange as well. In fact, Karine Jean-Pierre says that the policy doesn't even work down there with states like Texas putting up barbed wire and fencing along the border. How dare you? It's unfortunate that there is a governor in Texas, Governor Abbott, who has politicized this issue of what's happening on the border. And it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at the at the border to do their job. Wow. I'm uh, I'm telling you, man, that's weird. It makes it more complicated for us to do our job. Yeah, to just allow people to waltz right in. How in the world is putting a fence up in certain areas with barbed wire to detract people from walking across that area? How does that actually make it more difficult for us to do their job? That doesn't make any sense to me. So while Washington, D.C. is battling a bill, which is cool, but we still have to have the executive branch actually enforce something, which if they just enforced what was on the books, As we have it right now, we would not see a lot of this issue. We're now telling states that they're not allowed to do their own prerogative as well, which Governor Greg Abbott came out on Fox News earlier today and said, yeah, that's that's not the case. And it's okay if we if we keep doing what we're doing. So it was the states that created the United States. And when the states voted to create the United States and have a constitution uh, included in that agreement was the compact that the federal government would take care of the states. and. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution 
speaks to that and, and says that uh, if the federal government does not take care of the states and the states are in danger, well, we can ask the federal government to live up to its obligations. Then the authors of the Constitution knew there would be times when the federal government would not live up to its duty. And so they empowered states in Article One, Section 10, the right of self-defense. And what Texas is asserting is our Article One, Section 10 right of self-defense mm. because the president of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. So that audio from Fox News earlier, that was Governor Greg Abbott from the state of Texas. Article 1, Section 10, you apparently have the ability as a state to defend yourself if the government's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I know that's very triggering, but we have something called federalism in the Constitution that allows states to act on their own. I know it's kind of a wild concept, but it's not something that Democrats like, nor that they necessarily acknowledge, because they'd rather have things that are written by the bureaucratic state on not on not necessarily the Constitution, but just on federal policy and guidelines and federal regulations and all the other stuff that they go along with to keep them moving as opposed to going back to what we're all about, which is this simple document called the Constitution of the United States. And they like to hide behind all their other bureaucratic BS the state of Texas is inhabiting it. And in fact, thank God, there's many other states that are supporting them as well. This is where the line's drawn. I told you, did I not say at the beginning of the year that I was encouraged by people finally beginning to stand up at an individual level, standing up to the wokeness, standing up to government policy, standing up to the ridiculousness that we're seeing in society, just the stupid conversations, the low IQ, ridiculous conversations. We're finally standing up to that stuff. And now a state as a whole is doing it as well as they have the National Guard down there and whatever federal agents are trying to take down barbed wire and fences, they're putting back up and putting up in different places as well, defying what the Supreme Court said. And there are states that are on board. The hat tip to listener Scott showing us that the uh, governor of Oklahoma tweeted out was showing the National Guard and they're saying we stand with Oklahoma. There is a petition with numerous states that right now are standing up with the state of Texas because they're they're on board with them. And is this the line? Is this the line that's going to be crossed where the coming home to Jesus moment happens in the federal government or in the nation as a whole on what states and people are going to tolerate and what the federal government's going to try and push that envelope just a little bit and a little bit too far? And what's that reaction going to look like thereafter? Interesting stuff. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale, that's just what we do here on the program. Hey, so wonderful to have you with us. Welcome into it. Your pre-Friday celebration. It's time for you to carpe diem all over this place is what we do. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Fascinating way for the federal government to handle. I'm telling you, is this where the line's going to be drawn between the states and the individuals standing up to what the government's doing to just caving and allowing it. I told you at the beginning of the year between Elon Musk, between the worker at what, what was it United or spirit Aero, airlines, whatever it was that stood up to the individual and so many others that are just finally saying enough is enough. We're just going to live our life. We're going to do our thing. You're not going to control us. You're not going to tell us how to live. And the wokeness, the dominance of the very vocal loud minority in society. We're just not taking the crap no more. Not doing it. And now we're seeing a state as a whole do it as well with Texas. 
and good for them and so many states that are supporting them as well. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But what's trending today? The bigger question is, who's behind it all? How did we get to this point in the first place? I told you the the immigration policy bill that they're deciding in the Senate right now with James Lankford, with Chuck Schumer, could have been a decent bill back, like, I don't know, during the Bush administration before Barack Obama. But now the drastic times has calls for a drastic measure to be in place when you have 10 million illegal immigrants that have crossed the border since the Joe Biden administration alone over the past three years. That's something that we should be extremely concerned about. So a semi-center right-leaning bill is going to be nice. We're going to kind of clean things up, make it more streamlined. That's nice. And that would have worked back in the day. It's not going to work now. But how did we get to this point where the federal government just openly ignores federal policy on enforcing immigration and so much more to talk about that? Really happy to have on the program back with us. It's been a while since we've had him on, especially now that we're in the year of 2024. He is the author of the book Racism, Revenge and Ruin. It's all Obama. Happy to have back on here, Scott McKay. Scott, happy new year, my friend. How are you? Hey, right back at you. Happy new year. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of things happening in D.C. right now. And while we see the immigration crises, we see the federal budget crises right now, we have a lot of issues in D.C. that were, of course, the Fast and Furious, get it on right now, right now. How much of this was led up because of the Barack Obama administration and how much influence that they have right now? Well, the the well, let me let me answer it this way. If you are Joe Biden and you are actually in control of the White House and you can read a poll you're going to do business with not the Senate Republicans, the House Republicans mm-hmm. on the immigration question, right? And when they passed, I guess it was H.R. 2, I think it was, yeah. which essentially codified bringing back all of Trump's approaches to the border, like you would jump on board that because it would help you. First of all, it's the number one most corrosive issue that is driving your polls through the dirt. I mean, the real clear politics average of Joe Biden's approval ratings is 39.8 right now. And he's losing by four points to Donald Trump in all of the the polls, the real clear politics average of the polls of swing states. Okay, he's getting beat. I think it was 47.6 to 43.8, something like that. Okay, so like he's going to lose reelection if the chalk holds and the immigration issue is the reason why. So if you are, and that's, I'm sure going to trickle down the, the, uh, the ballot and hurt them in Senate and house races as well. So if you're Joe Biden and you're actually in charge, you're going to do that deal with Mike Johnson. And you're going to, you're going to put this border thing to bed along the lines of what the house Republicans are demanding, because it's what the public wants. And get this issue off the books. You've already brought in 10 million illegals. I mean, you've made a big you know, chunk of the advance of you know, changing the demographics of the country, which is what this is all about. You would have already done that. He's not in control of the White House and the people who are in control either don't care about Joe Biden's political future or don't think Joe Biden's political future is something that is going to be litigated in an election. And that, to be perfectly honest with you, points to Barack Obama, who is the only former president still living in Washington, D.C. after his term ended and who never is far from a news cycle and whose former people populate all of the higher echelons of the Biden administration. This is Barack Obama's 
Redux administration, and he's the one calling the shots, and he wants, for long-term purposes, he wants those illegals to keep flowing in. Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. He opened up that border, and uh, obviously it was a big issue while he was in office with the DACA. I mean, he's the one that started some of those policies, but he's got to see how unpopular those are. If he wants to keep that power, if he wants to keep that influence, you'd think that they would back off a little bit right now in an election season where people are kind of angry. And in fact, after the ruling from the Supreme Court on what Texas is allowed and not allowed to do, apparently, that only infuriates even more individuals like you said, you've gotten what you wanted. You had 10 million illegals. You've already changed the dynamic of society in the United States already. Why not rein it in just a little bit to play nice during an election season to win more people over? I mean, that's the rational you know, thing that you would expect would be done at this point. The problem is, ever since Barack Obama came into office back in 2009, that hasn't been the case. I mean, the last like real strategic retreat that the Obamas made was the, you know, the beer summit. <laughs> Ever since then, this has been like one of these things where that like there's no limiting principle and there's no I mean, you know, there's not even a tactical retreat in 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 most cases. It's it's full speed ahead and it's, you know, if we have to stall out a, a particular initiative, then we'll start something else and flank the enemy. I mean, that's basically what Obama politics has been. Uh, since the very beginning, and Biden's administration is basically a distillation of that. So I, you know, I, I think you and I both agree that the, the at least conventional political tactical imperative here is for them to back off, particularly when you know you're now like every red state governor, I think, has or or at least the, the RGA just put out a statement today. You know, saying, look, you know, all the red state governors are behind Texas on this on this situation. The razor wire stays up at the border. And so you you are now going to be in something of a constitutional crisis with these red states who have a very good legal argument over the you know, the fact that Texas has declared an invasion. And if, you know, if there's an invasion, that means that Texas has the power to defend their own state's borders. And so, you know, you get into this situation and, yeah, okay, there's federal statutes that that would allow the Border Patrol to have, I guess, some sort of supremacy. But, you know, that kind of flies in the face of the Constitution. And a lot of people have misinterpreted what this this Supreme Court ruling actually was. All it was about was an injunction. It hasn't decided the case at all. Sure. And so, you know, like, I, I think that caution if especially from the federal standpoint you know caution is the watchword here but you know these are not cautious people and so i'm not real sure how this is going to play out the smart play would be turn the temperature down bring these governors to the white house have a summit on the border you know tell everybody you know like look we're really really invested in making a you know a, a grand bargain here and resolving this issue and so on and so forth and and try to cast the Republicans as the the bad guys and the and the intransigent ones. Although I think we're far past that point by now. Yeah. But I, I just don't have any faith that they're gonna do that because like I don't think the people running the country right now are explainable in the old political contexts when, you know, Republicans and Democrats could be seen as 
you know, basically having the same values and arguing over the methods to achieve the social goods that they both agreed on. I don't think that our politics looks like that anymore. No, we are far from that one for sure. And you're right. Democrats are not holding back. They're the kamikaze suicide bombers, metaphorically speaking, right now. They just don't care, which is surprising to me, especially in a major election. Which brings me to the next question, Scott, here is we heard the reference in the leak from the Obamas just a few weeks ago saying how troubled and how concerned that they are about Joe Biden actually winning an election against Donald Trump again. We had Michelle Obama on a podcast saying the exact same thing, which begged the question for people is how involved are they going to be? Will she jump into the race or something? But is it true? Are they truly concerned about Biden? And what are they going to do about that? Well, I no, I think they're definitely they can read a poll. Right. And, you know, I mean, Obama, I don't think Obama's approval rating was ever below 40 in the RCP average. So, you know, obviously there's a reason for them to be concerned for them to say that, I think, is if nothing else, it's an admonition to Biden that, you know, that he's he's got to do better politically. The fact that they trotted David Axelrod out a few weeks ago to talk about replacing Biden, there's that. And yet, you know, nothing happened, right? Like nobody got in the race, which tells you that whatever solution these guys, you know, would have to the Joe Biden problem is not a solution that they would put in front of the Democratic electorate first, right? Like they're going to parachute somebody in at the convention if they are going to replace Biden. And it's got to be Michelle because if it isn't Michelle, it's going to have to be Kamala Harris, and she's less sellable than Biden. But it, it has to be one of the two, because I don't think they can afford to be seen as passing over or betraying black women. Yeah, that is Because they get 100% of the vote from, the, from black women. They're actually bleeding profusely among black men right now. And for good reason. I mean, you're, you know, you're filling up cities and particularly inner cities in blue areas where, you know, folks have depressed wages and you're filling them up with illegals. Of course, black men are looking at that and and turning on you. Yeah, they're they're going to they're going to be angry. We're seeing that demographic fall away from the Democrats. Scott, hold on the line. We've got to take a hard break here right around the corner. Scott McKay, Racism, Revenge and Ruin is the book talking about the Obamas. We'll do that when we come back. Wrapping up the show. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. To heed the timeless advice from Teddy Roosevelt, speak softly and carry a big stick. End of quote. I promise you, the president has a big stick. (laughs) Uh, If you remember that one, that was during the Barack Obama era, where Joe Biden says that Barack Obama apparently has that big stick. Does he still have that big stick in Washington, D.C. right now as he continues to control things? with uh, some of the policy being dictated, the elections, the state of the Democrat Party right now as well. If Joe Biden doesn't become the nominee, if uh, Michelle doesn't jump into the race, if Kamala Harris can't hold her own, then how do the Obamas continue to hold and maintain control? In Washington, fascinating conversation. We're hanging out with Scott McKay. You can check him out on his website, which I have right here, thehayride.com, which, oh, by the way, Scott will be on Tucker Carlson coming up in a couple of weeks as well, so in the next week or two, so don't miss that one. Uh, Scott, I bet that's going to be exciting, chatting with uh, Tucker Carlson. Good for you on that. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Tucker's a great guy. I mean, you can that comes across when you watch his show, but it, he really is a, a, a super genuine, good good human being and, and a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, how neat. Let's talk about the Democrats for a second. Let's, again, speculative. If Joe Biden has his operation, Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe because he can't handle the race against Donald Trump. We have Kamala that just can't hold her own because... Well, she can't because she's not that intelligent. We have Michelle that doesn't jump into the race, which everybody still wonders if she's not going to be the Gandalf riding on on the great white horse and save the day by jumping in the race last minute. Who else could it be? I don't think Gavin Newsom hangs around with that same crowd right now. Gretchen Whitmer was another name that that was thrown out from Michigan, but uh, she's not quite as popular, has the name recognition. Who else could it be that's under the fingers and under the pulse of the Obamas? Well, you know, J.B. Pritzker is, I guess, probably the closest of all of the other major players out there. I don't think he's sellable. I mean, the thing about the Pritzkers is that's the family that has largely bankrolled a lot of this transgender stuff across the country. And I mean, unless you're up against somebody who's a complete nincompoop on the Republican side, if you ran J.B. Pritzker for president, that would be the issue in the race. Like you would, the Republicans would never shut up about that, nor should they, because transgenderism pulls about as well as polio and dengue fever with the American public, and rightly so. So not to mention the fact that, you know, Penny Pritzker, who was Obama's Secretary of Commerce and is Governor Pritzker's sister, I believe, was the chair of the Harvard Corporation that appointed Claudine Gay as the president of Harvard. So you could have a hell of a conversation about DEI uh, with the Pritzkers if they were the presumptive first family. I don't think J.B. Pritzker's sellable. I don't think Gretchen Whitmer's sellable. I think you're right about Gavin Newsom because his ego is even bigger than Obama's. And I don't think that Gavin Newsom would tolerate being an Obama puppet as the nominee in 2024, which you pretty much have to be if you want that nomination. I think Newsom goes and lets it collapse and then picks up the pieces and builds his own machine. And and I think that's the reason why he's not involved in this, at least to date. Now, I could be wrong, but that's my read on him. And they're, you know, they're running out of, of options. The thing about a political machine is that it takes a great deal of talent and money to keep it going for very long. And this machine's been rolling for about 18 years, since probably 2006. And that's a, you know, that's a long time, especially for a national machine to work. And I, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's throwing off some some smoke and, and some spare parts are kind of coming out of this thing. So, you know, we may be toward the end of the Obama phenomenon in American politics, and we desperately need to be because <laughs> it hasn't served us all that well, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, well, that's true. And the problem with the Democrats is that they have not allowed new voices and new faces to come up and try and rise to the challenge to carry that mantle and take the torch from them. They, the old guard is so right. desperate to hold on to that power that they won't allow them to come in so they've kind of shot themselves in the foot on the long haul for this one it is scott mckay Agreed. author of the book racism revenge and ruin it's all obama check it out on amazon check it out on his website as well the hayride.com don't miss his episode with tucker carlson coming up here in the next week or two as well scott so good to talk to you again my friend i love the conversation we got to do it again real soon likewise have a good one hey you as well great stuff right there with scott mckay we always love chatting with him we'll get him back on 
relatively soon. And just remember, we had him on the show here before his episode aired with Tucker Carlson. So, ha, ha, we beat Tucker on that one. There it is. All right, <laughs> we're back at it again tomorrow for the Friday. We'll get you set for another weekend. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.